okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your tour guide of the day. To the right is your college campus. I'm Ariana Giles. A while ago, I was driving around Fargo, North Dakota with some people I work with. This is the library right here. You're gonna make a right right here. I went to school here at North Dakota State University. Yeah, there's like fraternity stuff. There's also a good coffee shop over there. When I first came here, I was ready for that college life. Have a whole bunch of friends, have that new comforter. I wanted to join some clubs like the school newspaper and be an editor or join the radio club and be a host of my own show. I was ready for the parties and I was ready for the endless nights of homework. But the reality was different. The only one syndrome is when you're literally the only black one in your classes. And in this case, at my school, about 98% of your classes are predominantly white. That's a video I made during my first semester. I started making videos to keep track of how I was feeling and to show people back home what school was like. I'm here to get an education, but it's like, you can't ignore that. Being surrounded by whiteness is a thing. Like, it's a thing. This is the Educate Podcast. I'm Ariana Giles, and I'm going to be telling you about my experience as a Black student on a mostly white campus. The challenges at North Dakota State weren't always about race, but it definitely was a part of it. It's like, how are you supposed to navigate it? Do you keep your head down and try to make the best of it? Or do you drop out and tell people it wasn't for you? What is college supposed to be like? I'm going to tell you what it took for me to answer those questions. I started making this podcast a while ago, and I had a lot of material. So I asked two colleagues here at American Public Media to come listen to this stuff with me and talk through it. All right. Hi, Sam. Hello. I hear some weird static noises. Yeah, that is some... I think we're going into a different dimension. That's Fiona Bowler. North Dakota State. And this is Sam Chu. Dang. I've been on that campus. North Dakota. Ooh, we should have a podcast together, guys. <clears throat> yeah, no, this this feels right. I would <laughs> I would totally do that. Yeah. So I wrote that this podcast is about my journey in finding the right college for me. Mm. And it's like very simple to say, but that's truly what it is because I don't think that I have a traditional college experience. I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota in a neighborhood called Frogtown. I grew up around all kinds of people, Somali, Hmong, white, black. My neighborhood was full of color. And high school was no different. I was never the minority from K through 12. After high school, I took some classes at a community college. Students of color there made up more than half the school, and a full third were African-American or black. It was just as racially diverse as my high school. But I knew I wanted to move on to a four-year college. I wanted to study journalism. I wanted to go somewhere out of St. Paul and Minneapolis, but not too far. It needed to be affordable and have at least two black people in the brochure. So I applied to North Dakota State, and I was accepted. So at my going away party, it was about, it was like less than 10 of us. And we were all in the backyard. My friend took this video on their phone. <laughs> it was like in the summer, right at the beginning of August. And there's this moment where we're like, all right, Ariana, like basically I'm making a pledge to like, like commit myself to college. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're like, 
<laughs> All right, say I Ariana Giles. So I'm like I Ariana Giles. So you say I'm gonna finish school. I'm gonna finish I, school. I Ariana Giles. Yeah. I eat money. Ariana Giles. Ariana speaks. All those girls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will finish school. This was going to be evidence used against me if I wanted to drop out of college. <laughs> okay, so when I'm in school and I say some dumb shit like I'm not gonna finish, I'm gonna drop out. You can just show me this video. So. All right, I'm about to tell y'all something real crazy, okay? Okay. Yeah, throw it down. So the day I went up to tour was ultimately the day I decided where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So Fargo, when I, like, toured there, when I first went there, still summer, right? So, like, very sunny. And then I went to NDSU, and I was like, this is in the movies. This is, like, bigger. This yeah. is, like, the buildings look more ancient, like... I'm like, this is a kid in the, the, like, you know, they're agriculture school. So mm. the grass was all green. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, I'm really going to college, mm -hmm. like, for real this time. Mm -hmm. You thought you were going to be starring in your own coming of age movie. Yeah, I thought I was about to live this whole movie life. Yep, and I'm yep. like, I'm about to have this click yep. of people. Right. I'm about to just, like, be me times 20. Mm -hmm. Like, but it wasn't like that. How hard was the needle scratch when you were like, I'm going to live in a coming-of-age movie in Fargo, North Dakota as the only black girl that I can see for, like, I don't even know how many miles. Like, See, I always get, like, crap about, like, people always kind of, like, raise their eyebrow at me, like, Ariana... North Dakota, why'd you go there? Do you know? Like, And I was like, no, I didn't know. It was like, I didn't think of Fargo as anything or any place, but just a place to, like, get on with my, like, education. So, yeah, off to Fargo I went. Tuition there was cheap compared to other colleges, but I still had to take out a loan for it. Fargo was only four hours away, so if I wanted to go back home, I could just hop on a Greyhound bus and visit. But... I didn't realize how often I would want to hop on that bus. So, like, when I first was there, it was bubbly, right? It was like the, like, school was just starting. Everybody's moving in. It's sunny. People are, like, doing that stuff in the movies, right? They're, like, on blankets yeah. outside. Throwing walking frisbees. with their friends. Yeah, throwing mm -hmm. frisbees. Yeah. Like, everybody's having a good time. And I'm like, damn, I did it. I'm here. Like, this mm -hmm. is really happening. And then, y'all, <laughs> ooh. Ooh, when October came, it was like... You know, I came into the situation, you know, trying to thug it out, you feel me? I was like, it's cool, I'm about to take control of the situation, like, it's fine or whatever, but, y'all, when I tell you the thug in me left so damn fast, and by the end of September, early October, your girl was depressed. So that, that video is from my first video I made, and I called it um, Black Girl at Predominantly White College. Um, so my classes, obviously, predominantly white. And in those classes, so I don't know how white people think, but, like, they think just if you're black, like, if your skin's brown, we're all the same. And it's like, we're not all the mm. same. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'd be in a class with, like, there would be, like, me, white kids, and there would be, like, a few, like, international students, or there would be, like, um, an African student or two. So to me, I'm like, I don't have like, they're not the same as me. Like they have different, they're a different person than mm -hmm. like, they're from a different culture than I am. So. Oh yeah. There's these obstacles of people don't understand who you are. People don't understand your culture. People are making these presumptions about you that just don't make sense. Like I always walked into the first day of class, just wondering how many people were going to assume that I didn't know English mm. because I'm Asian. And it's like the, the common assumption is that 
probably don't. Probably English second language. I was like, well, this is this is going to be a fun sociological experiment. But like we're living out these air quote fun sociological experiments all the time because we're always in that that sample group. I just keep thinking about my experience at school too and how similar that was. I went to like a small a small town in Wisconsin and being the only person of color in a classroom and then having that subject or something around it be about race and then everyone turning and looking at you. I have two things to say about that. One, just about even participating in class. I, okay, mm-hmm. I don't care. Okay, for the white listeners who, like, do school, like, the right way or whatever, I know I should be sitting in the front, so just disregard this whole thing. But, like, I like sitting in the back. Yeah. I don't like people sitting behind me. I want to see the whole room. Sorry, yeah. that's just, like, how I am. And so when there was times, like, when I did raise my hand, And yeah, because I was sitting in the back, but also it was like all these blue and green eyes like looked back at me. Or if I did say something, I had to make sure I said something really intellectual or like really important. Right. I couldn't say something dumb because they'd be like, oh, she's dumb. Like, you know, like Mm -hmm. those were the thoughts that were going on with it. And then as far as my professors went, so I did have a a cultural diversity class taught by a white person, Mm. which I thought was (laughs) totally cool. I was like, okay, Super I'm cool. in this class, and I am am the diversity, so I don't know like, why I'm in this class. Well, okay. And then um, I did have a day where we talked about the N-word in one mm. of my sociology classes. Yup, yup. Been in that class. <laughs> I actually recorded the class for one of my videos. The earth sound on the end is never okay. The professor was saying that adding the er sound to the N-word is never okay. Especially anyone whose skin is black especially if you're white. So at the same time, am I feeling weird, but I'm also like listening to the professor to see like, she better not slip up talking about this. Right. Uh-huh. What she is no. And did she keep like eyeballing you, like like gut checking herself with you? I mean, I think we were playing <laughs> these like eye games with each other. Like uh-huh. I would kind of like look down her way and then she would kind of like brush the room, mm. like look over the yeah. room. And it was just like, and I know she didn't want to specifically like look at me. But it definitely was awkward, and it was like, I'm in this classroom being taught about something that I already know from the moment I'm born. <laughs> like, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. the N-word is horrible. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like she was teaching it as if, like, today I'm going to teach you guys about why you shouldn't be using the N-word. And it was kind of bizarre to me. I'm like, why doesn't everybody know this? But I'm right. like, dang, I'm in this place, and they don't know. But it was just, I just didn't want to be in the room with those conversations because they were already understood to me. And it was just like... I don't know. Well, and I think there's, like, even a deeper conversation that could happen, but, like, there's no way that you could even get deeper if the majority of the people in the room don't even have the concept that saying the N-word is bad. And I don't have all the answers, right? right? Like, it was, like, in those discussions, especially in diversity class, I'm the, okay, the teacher asked the awkward, like, question that nobody really wants to answer. Like, in their case, they didn't know the answer to. So it was, like... He was like, so Ariana, what do you think? I don't have the answers for you, sir. Right, like, right, right, I don't right. know. I'm here like, to learn, too. Yeah, like yeah. two things. It feels like you can never stop repping. Mm-hmm. Like, you always have to represent your whole people mm-hmm. or everyone who's not white all the time or everyone who's, in my instance, anyone who's kind of yellow, though I've been mistaken for being uh, for Latin American or Mexican mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, like, always feeling like you, yeah, always have to represent but then always having to 
like be the best example of who you are all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, like answering the questions. I always oh, had to yeah, make yeah. sure well, I said being something the smart. teacher too, being right. like literally like having to educate your professors about things or feeling like that's put on you in some way when mm-mm. Yeah, it was the first time in life where I really had to watch myself all the time. Yeah. That's exhausting. Yeah. Like yeah. that is so exhausting. I mean, you can't help but be depressed because you can't be yourself like Mm. anywhere you go. And then you feel kind of weird, like, who am I? What am I doing? (laughs) Like, all the those rabbit holes come. But ultimately, I had to like suck it up and put my head down because I needed to stay there for that school year. Mm -hmm. That's my old apartment by that bush. I made this recording standing outside my old dorm building. Lester used to live there on that bush, my little cricket. I lived on the first floor, and outside my window was this bush. So when I came here, it was very nice, right? Like green grass, like sun was shining. I had went to that farmer's market and got a lavender plant and a vine plant. And then, like, I had my little setup. So on my, by my window, on my ledge, I had my lavender plant, like vine. And I noticed there was a cricket outside my window. Like every day, this cricket would be, like, going crazy, like not even at night. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to name my cricket Lester. I'd make jokes like, Lester had me up all night or Lester won't shut up. And so then I had a pet. I had my plants. I was like ready for school. And then like three weeks later, overcast came. It was cold and Lester was gone. (laughs) My baby, my only friend, my lavender plant died too. It was like everything was dying on me. And life in the dorm wasn't great either. My three roommates were white. We all had our own rooms, but we shared a kitchen and a bathroom. This was my first time living with people, like, white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there was little things like hair. Hair? Hair. So when you take shower, you know, it's like this okay thing to leave hair in the shower. <laughs> but you know, if I left hair in the shower, that little curly piece, you know who that's from. So we are at a hair store. It's like the only black store in Fargo hair store, black beauty supply hair store in Fargo that I know of. While I was working on this podcast, I visited some old familiar places in Fargo. I sat in the car outside the hair store and I made this recording. One time I asked my roommates if they could, on our way home from like a store like Target or something, I was like, can you guys, do you mind if we stop at this hair store so I can get some products for my hair? I did ask before I got the car, I said, do you guys want to come in? They're like, no, we'll just like stay in the car and it was like okay so I went in like got the stuff I needed and it came out and it was kind of just like a weird moment like <sighs> I have to like go do what I gotta do just for my cultural needs and they're like making it oh, yet again another awkward experience and it's just like I'm just trying to get some like grease from my hair some hair oil or something or some weave like and it was like, what? Like, this is your opportunity to... Yeah, just have this experience. Yeah. And it wasn't that big. To me, like, we're going in a store. You're going to see fake hair. Yeah. And it's going to be a purchase, and we're going to be outies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's this constant, like, I don't want to make you uncomfortable with my existence, but, right. like, why does my existence make you uncomfortable in the first place? Yeah, it's like, yeah. you like, can't do this one little thing with me. Yeah. Just sitting outside the hair store made me remember how lonely I was in Fargo, even when I was with other people like my roommates. They were never willing to, like, truly get to know me, you know? 
like i don't even think they know what's technically what city i'm from they're just like oh she's from the cities like they would not be able to tell you specific things or characteristics about me that i know like about them that kind of stuff it was it seemed like in general like it was easier for me to conform with them and like be like how they are just so everything can go whatever but if it was the other way around like if um it probably would have been more hard for them but like it's just like they have to understand it's hard for me i may just be keeping a straight face about it but like behind my closed door i'm like crying about it in my room you know when you go to college and you think your roommates might be your best friends it was like well not gonna happen so i gotta go out there and make my own i'm burley holder um NDSU alumni and um, photographer, videographer, filmmaker, screenwriter. Burley was one of my first friends at NDSU. He also was my first black friend on campus. Talking with him, I found out that he was from the same place as me. So I grew up in Frogtown. He was like, I'm from Frogtown too. I was like, get out. I'm like, finally, I found my peeps. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Burley was in his last semester at North Dakota State when we met. He helped me make my first video, and he took me to my first Black Student Association meeting. A good meeting had about 40 students. A bad meeting, in the wintertime, had about 20. If you're Black on that campus and you don't go to the one place where Black people meet, you are not even trying to have a close-to-normal experience for yourself. On Sundays, Burley and our other four friends from BSA would make dinner together and study together. I found my people. Kind of. Burley stuck it out at North Dakota State, and he graduated last year. I came here with a mission that I just wanted this degree, and I wanted to get out as soon as possible. Um, Yeah, it was very to the point with me, and I sort of had the blinders up for a lot of my ways here. Um, Did I ever really feel uh, uncomfortable and such like that? I mean, yeah, it was... It's... I always felt like an outsider here, but, like, except for some... Fair, like, you know, a few places like, say, BSA or, like, you find your own little community of, you know, and, yeah, they ended up usually being other black people, but, um, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I hated every, nearly every moment of being inside NDSU. There was, like, a few people that I enjoyed spending time with and such like that, but, yeah, I, I did not enjoy my time here. I, I felt... Trapped, I felt very lonely, and so I was just like, brain turns near off, and just sort of like moving through it. Burley was a theater major. The theater majors spent a lot of time together, but he had a rough time becoming close with them, especially when he asked them to hang out. I got either no's or, nah, can't, busy. So, and I don't know nobody's busy 100% of the time. That's always, busy is a choice, but um, yeah, all the times it was just no. And so I just said, screw it. I'm going to just hang with the people that I hang with, which ended up being mainly black students up until sort of my, literally my last year where I wasn't, I don't know, treated as some sort of social pariah. And Burley was exposed to more overt racism than I was. I was telling them earlier, I haven't had any like actual race racist like moments obviously I felt like things like you know like I got a really? sense of like racism but no I never was like 
Nah. You know what's crazy to me? Um, that you didn't, because I remember <laughs> one of my first days or weeks here, it was me and my cousin, we were walking down, and somebody, like, drove past he me and said the N-word. Like, and I, I was like, they didn't, t- they didn't even get out the car, like... If I didn't have like really good ears, I probably would have just missed that. I was like, you wasted your energy. I was on campus at that time. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I don't know. I find these things funny just because, I don't know, through life experiences, you make light of nearly everything. Burley's tone about everything is like, he's like laughing at everything. Like you can clearly hear that. And so like that was one of the things that like makes me not like that place or like those kinds of environments because they make you think that those things are funny or, like, acceptable. Yeah, I was totally that dude. Laugh it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I guess I laugh too. But I think Burley adapted to a new normal at North Dakota State that just never seemed normal to me. I don't know. I don't want to put all the blame on race because mm-hmm. I'm, as I said, I'm a unique case. This I'm a, I'm a bad person to talk to because I am like, it's all about, especially when it comes to something like school, I'm paying to be here. So I need to get something worth, you know, I have to like, feel like, all right, I got value out of that. And a lot of times it felt like just turning my gears, not going anywhere. And it's like doing a lot for nothing and I'm doing it with people that um with no help with yeah solo dolo he kept trying to meet people halfway you kept trying to meet people halfway but then they would never meet you where you needed to go right it was like you needed to be yeah it was like I'm not gonna be with okay with you just like not trying your hardest to where at some point there was a cutoff for him, I think, with people and he just accepted it, but I never accepted it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Right, right. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, this is just not my like way of life. So then like I'm walking around every day still trying to like be happy, right? I'm like, I'm out here, mm-hmm. like, you know? And then it was like, nah girl, you not and you in a small town. So you there's no escaping it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, like we got you now. Because it was like at least when I went to a two-year, um, you know, I was bouncing between two worlds, the school world and the real world. So once right. I left that building, I was on some other stuff, could interact with other people, mm-hmm. could, like, just do my thing and then go back there every week. But there, I was, like, there, 24-7, yeah. like, the same people, the same routine. Like, it was, it was not, it was just not good. Mm. But then a lot of people, too, in my position as these, like, non-traditional, like, first-gen students, like... You don't know what you're supposed to do. No. Like right. you don't have the guidance. You you go you go to the to a counselor or you go to some you know, you go to a professional on campus or whoever, a professor, and it's always like the checklist of things that you have to do. And it was like at that point, I went to see a therapist. I picked some better classes that mm-hmm. I would like. I went to clubs, like I I worked out a little bit. <laughs> I did what I was supposed to do on that list to make my experience good. And then it was like, okay, after the list, I'm throwing the list back at you and it's just like, now what? Like I wasn't I wasn't getting the guidance that I needed to like survive there, I guess. So by May I was pretty burnt out. Like y'all should see mm-hmm. when I came home, I was crusty. Okay, I got oh, out of there. <laughs> I was ashy. I was just dry. I, it looked like. But anyway, as soon as I came home in May, I was like, I'm I'm not going back there. Because of course when you come home, people like talk to you. How was it? And all these things. And 
I never said anything good about it. Not that good things didn't happen, but overall, like, that wasn't, my response wasn't good. So, I was like, yeah, this is obvious. I'm not going back there. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of, like, clear as day, I think. Okay, did you, like, take this as a failure? Did you feel defeated in any way? And, like... Or how did you view not going back to NDSU? Or was this kind of like a triumph? Like, how did you... I felt like I wasted time up there. Mm. Even though I may have had all these different experiences that could help that helped me now as a person, but, like, I wasted a whole year of my life, like, and especially not even feeling comfortable and kind of, mm-hmm. like, breaking down as a person. So I was like, all right, this is, this is what I got to do. I spent the summer plotting my next move. I couldn't go to another college that required me to take out another loan. I was going to need to finish college, get the job of my dreams, and pay back the loans I had already taken out. I also didn't want to live on campus again, so that meant wherever I went, I needed to find an apartment and a way to pay for it. I wanted to be in a city, but not totally distracted, and I didn't want to be the only black one on my campus. It felt like I shouldn't have went to North Dakota State in the first place, that I should have stayed on that commuter-style school life. All that, like, movie stuff, I was like, yo, I don't got time for it. I didn't (laughs) waste the time. Now it's, like, grind time and I got to put my head down. I just took out all these loans. Not trying to do that again. And the closest thing to me, because I ended up moving back to St. Paul, was, like, I'm just going to go to Metro Community-style college, which I'm familiar with, and it's definitely affordable. Not gonna lie, so it's kind of cool having my little backpack on. They got a little notebook in here, you know. That's me on the bus to my first day at Metro State. It's a four-year state school in St. Paul. Metro is a commuter school with students who are of many ages and backgrounds with whole lives and jobs outside of school. I started classes in August. I'm majoring in creative writing. I started with two classes intro to creative writing, and a gender, race, and pop culture course. Both my teachers were white, but the students were diverse in age, ethnicity, all that. And for the first time, I was being assigned to read tons of Black authors. Today I'm going to do a presentation on Toni Morrison. And if you don't know my name by now, it's Ariana. I didn't feel awkward in class. I wasn't the only one of my kind, and I didn't have to be there 24-7. It all started feeling more my speed and organic again, and not so damn difficult to navigate. So I just grabbed a couple random quotes from her that I personally like. Like, if there's a book you want that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. It wasn't until my first semester I did at Metro State where college finally started to feel more right. My definition of what a college experience is supposed to be like has changed. It's not supposed to be like anything. It's definitely not supposed to make you feel like you have to change everything about you as a person to make it work. Multiple loans, moving, having no idea what I was doing, and three colleges later, I have now started my own definition. It's about feeling supported in your environment. It's about being comfortable in class. And it's about being brave and advocating for yourself when something doesn't feel right. I mean, yeah, there's some things about college that's still, like, a little confusing to me or trying to navigate it, but ultimately, like, I feel like now I've had the experiences to know that I can finish this thing. 
Well, thank you, Sam and Fiona, for coming in and talk to me about this. And it definitely does feel good walking away from this, feeling validated in my experiences and just in my truth about my college life, you know? Absolutely. So, you know, this black girl will graduate, but the way she wants to, okay? Right on. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. Please tell us what you think. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Educate Podcast, or you can send us a note to contact at apmreports.org. This episode was reported and produced by me, Ariana Giles, and Alex Baumhart, Chris Julin, and Sabby Robinson. It was mixed by Veronica Rodriguez. And special thanks to my homies Fiona Bowler, Sam Chu, John Hernandez, Lauren Brown, Marcel Malikibu, and Max Nesterak. We partner with The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. Thanks for listening. This is APM.